Hi, I'm Kelsey. I'm an IVF warrior and infertility advocate using my platform to spread awareness about infertility. And I'm Elizabeth. I'm a certified fertility coach, life coach, birth and bereavement doula, and new parent educator. I'm here to support and serve the tribe throughout their journey from conception to bringing your baby home and everything along the way. Welcome to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. Where we talk about the dreams and dilemmas of life, fertility, parenthood, and everything in between. We hope you enjoy this episode. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. Today, we have Mel Johnson on with the Solo Motherhood Coach, and I will let you further introduce yourself. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, So I'm Mel Johnson. I have a three-year-old daughter, um, Daisy, that I conceived using IVF and donor sperm on my own as a solo mum. And following my own journey to solo motherhood, I now coach women who are considering following the same path. That's amazing. So amazing. And how did you kind of come to the decision of becoming a solo mother on your own? So basically, I was about 36, 37. I was living in Budapest in Hungary. I was living an amazing life, honestly. I had an amazing apartment on the main street in Hungary. I was, I had a big group of friends. I was going out and having an amazing time. Um, but I was thinking, hmm, I'm not getting any closer to, um, you know, achieving my dream of being a mum. And I guess when I was 37, I decided that unless I took action and took matters into my own hands, that I I might miss out on being a mum. And that was just something that I didn't want to consider. So um, although I'd sort of held out to hope that I would meet someone, for me, that just didn't happen. And I didn't want to miss out. So did you know anybody who had done it on their own or heard of anybody? I actually didn't. So this was like, what was it now? Four, four and a half years ago. Um, and I, I didn't know a single person. And that's what made my decision so hard. There was no one really in the media or the public eye um, and no one in my friendship group. Um, and that's part of the reason why I decided to start the Stalk and I um, and to start coaching people because I wanted to raise the visibility of it to show that it is a route to parenthood that you can take um, and it can be equally positive as doing it in a partnership. Um, so no, I didn't know anyone else at all. You said you were living in Budapest at the time? Yes. Okay, what is um, what is IVF look like there in Budapest? So I actually couldn't have um, IVF there because okay. I- I think it might have changed now but at the time they didn't treat single women um so crazily I was um getting treatment abroad so I was traveling back to the UK for treatment which is the opposite way around to most people most people travel to Europe um so I had my treatment in the UK so I had to travel back wow okay and when you made this announcement to your inner circle, were people very supportive? Were they like, what, what, what is happening? <laughs> How did that conversation go? Yeah, they were totally supportive. To be honest, I, I didn't almost do an announcement. I basically, because I've been considering it for so long. Most people were a bit like, oh, finally, you've made a decision okay. to do this. <clears throat> so um, everyone was totally supportive um and I never did like a big reveal this is what I'm gonna do it was more like I'm thinking about it what do you think is it so people were almost like on the journey with me 
Great. And did you find that that journey was what you expected when you first started or what surprised you most, I guess, about starting the whole process alone? I think for me, um, one thing that surprised me was how quick it all was. So okay. I went for a consultation and, and then I booked in for the treatment <laughs> right. and it was happening. So I was quite uh-huh. surprised by how quickly it all happened. Um, for me, I was really lucky because it was quite straightforward. I had one round of IVF. I got three embryos and on the second transfer, it was my daughter. So um, I suppose I felt like I was one of the lucky ones where it was quite straightforward. Um, I, I speak to so many people where it's so much harder and so much yeah. longer. And um, so, yeah, it was sort of as I had hoped it would be. And real quick to touch on the the sperm donor situation, because we had another guest on last week and she was saying she's actually taking a break because she's having such a hard time actually choosing yeah (laughs) she's like I just need to wait um how was that process for you was it pretty quick or did you feel like you I kind of joked last time like I can't decide what to wear every day let alone like who's going to be the father you know the sperm of my child (laughs) father excuse me but yeah yeah I um I found it relatively straightforward so I feel like I was in quite a lucky position where the clinic I used they um had a sperm bank as part of the clinic and so I didn't have to go to another sperm bank and they asked me to fill out a questionnaire I filled out the questionnaire of what I was looking for which was mainly the the main choices were physical characteristics and then they presented me with two choices now some people sort of like gasp and like you need more than two choices but I sort of like had a word with myself to say actually that's just in my head you know Uh both of the choices um met the criteria I'd asked for in the questionnaire both had written a beautiful letter to explain why and I was thinking I only want more choice because we always want more choice um and actually I suppose the clinic in some ways had narrowed it down for me so I didn't have this really overwhelming choice so personally for me I found that easier the other thing that I always say is for anyone who's been on numerous internet dates which I have I have been on a lot of internet dates um and I'm a real optimist and a romantic and every time I'm like this one this guy (laughs) seems like he's going to be the one um and then you know almost 10 years later I'm still single so you can imagine that they were Um, And so I think of it in a similar way that people can write what they want on paper, but at the end of the day, you're never going to meet the person, you're never really going to know. And so you've got to try to let go of the control a little bit, um, Mm -hmm. was my take on it. And I just thought, you know what, both of these um, sound like really great options. So I'll just choose the one that sounds the best to me. I like that idea of just having two to, to choose from. I think that would be really good for me too. Like you do the heavy lifting, let me know where, where we land and I'll pick from there. Cause I think that's where you do kind of get caught in the overwhelm with like hundreds and you can choose from different banks and yeah, that does seem like a lot. Yeah. So I know like I lean on my husband a lot while going through the IVF journey, Um, but you're traveling, you're doing it by yourself, you're injecting hormones, like how was that doing that all by yourself? Did you have like, did you have like a relative or anybody like at home for, you know, support or helping you with shots or anything, or you just literally did everything by yourself? No, I had loads of support, honestly. Oh, you did? Good. I would say that I, like, 
through this whole thing I've never really been by myself I, I just okay. have a partner but I've had always like loads of people around me so my mum was probably my main support oh, she came God. to uh -huh. appointments with me she came to the transfer with me and um, she was my birth partner in the end so oh, um gosh. I had a lot of support from my mum but the other thing is I really think that you know I've been single pretty much you're very independent yeah so I'm used to doing stuff on my own. Um, I think if you've gone into something with someone else and mm -hmm. then that doesn't work, it's really hard. Whereas if you've been gone into something on your own, knowing that you're going to be doing it without a partner, I, I, I honestly feel it's much easier. I think people always put themselves in the, I can't imagine doing it without my partner, which mm. I can fully understand. But if you'd never had that partner and you'd always been doing it on your own, I think it is a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Certainly for me, it, mm. it is easier because I went into it knowing that this is what I was signing up to. Yeah. And so you have a, a remaining embryo, right? I do. Yeah. It's, do you ever think about what you're going to do or are you done or? No, I do think about it. It's, it's almost... I mean, it's, it's, I don't want to say that, but it is, it's almost harder having that remaining embryo yeah. because um, I'd love to have another child. Mm -hmm. I just don't think at the moment that I could do it on my own. Mm -hmm. um, I'm definitely not ready to draw a line under that. So it's just staying there for now. Okay. I, I see what happens basically. Yeah, totally. Yeah, toddlers are a lot, especially <laughs> on your own, I'm sure. <laughs> So having a three-year-old and then thinking about having another one, I'm like, oh, I just don't think. Yeah, give it a minute, right? And see where you land a little a little way exactly. down the road. Yeah. Um, so misconceptions, like you were kind of just stating right now, we know, well, I did my IVF at 36 single as well. So I kind of know where you're coming from. But what do you think the biggest misconceptions for people who are listening to this that are maybe contemplating solo motherhood should know? You know, maybe I've a fear that you hear from your clients on a regular basis that really isn't, you know, it's just in your head mainly, or some way advice of like conquering that fear to kind of move forward to, to, to determine, do I really want to do this on my own or should I keep internet dating and hope that I'm going to find the one? Yeah. So I would say there's a couple of things. I think, first of all, it's easier to do, to be a mom on your own than it is to be a mum with the wrong partner would and and you know I haven't been in the other situation but I can only imagine how hard it must be if you're not having good support or you're not getting on with your partner because I, I would much rather be doing it without a partner mm -hmm. than with a partner who's almost like making it harder so I, I know a lot of people uh, get to the point where they're like oh you know shall I just do it with this guy because I'm running out of time and yeah. and personally for me only now in hindsight I'm like thank the lord that I didn't do that because I think it would have been so much harder mm -hmm. um so that would be the first thing I think the second thing is I try not to think about um like I'm doing it on my own I always say you know, I'm doing it without a partner um mm -hmm. because actually um you know everyone says it but it takes the village and for me like surrounding myself by people who are part of my like mum tribe and who are helping me um just repositions to think I'm not in this on my own I'm in this with loads of people but just not a romantic partner to help mm -hmm. me um 
would be the other thing I'd say. And then the third thing everyone worries about is if I do this, am I signing up to being single forever? Um, and I would say absolutely not. You know, you can meet someone at any time, at any age. Um, yes, some things are easier, some things are harder about dating um, with a three-year-old. Um, but I really think that it's possible to meet somebody um, at any point. So I really don't think you're signing up to being single. Someone said to me, but if I make this decision, I'd be signing up to being single for five years. And I was like, five years? Like, where did you get that number from? Like maybe two years as you're pregnant and have a newborn child. But five years, like, no, I know people who've met people all the way, you know, mm -hmm. at any point of the journey, actually. So, And I've never thought about it this way before, Mel, but, you know, having been single my whole 30s and just having, having had gotten married at 40, you kind of get to a point in your mid to late 30s where you realize, okay, any guy that I'm going to meet is probably going to have a family and, you know, baggage, so to speak. And, and they kind of know too, right? Unless they're finding somebody that's much younger, which, you know, could be the case. But you're kind of the perfect situation because you don't have like the <sighs> child baby you know, daddy the, yeah <laughs> the crazy ex-wife or the crazy yeah. ex you know whatever like changing weekends and all of that stuff which I've never really thought of before but you're kind of like the perfect situation for yeah. somebody who's you know looking for a mate at this point in life I yeah think. and people people say that um so like the guys who I would be attracted to and um, say you know amazing like it's yeah. a cut you've taken control, you've taken the situation into your own hands, you've got what you, um, you know, what you wanted. And yeah, you've got no complications um, in terms of having someone else in the picture. Mm -hmm. So I think the suitable people for me see that really positively. Certainly they've, I'm very open about it. There's no point wasting time, like not say, not being right. honest about my circumstances. So right. I immediately say that this is my situation. And yeah, people that contact me are like, brilliant you know well done you sort of thing so mm -hmm. yeah I think it, I think uh, for some it wouldn't be for some people but then you know no one's for everyone are they so there's plenty of people who are like I think that's a great decision you've made mm -hmm. and is um like picking talking about like the sperm donation is it is it always confidential like I know nothing about this so like you know there's all these 23 and me and ancestry is like what if like, you know, one day your daughter's like, I want to know who my father is. Like, is it, what happens there? <laughs> yeah, so basically um, it's different in different countries. Okay. In the UK, um, we've got something called release ID donors. And that is basically legislation. You have to use a release ID donor in the UK. And it means that when your child is 18, they can get the contact details of oh. the donor so that they know that at 18 they'll be able to access that mm. of course if they choose to before they can take a dna test and see whether there's um you know any matches and whether oh. any family member comes up or um so I know that my daughter will be able to find the donor when she's 18 and will absolutely support her to do that if that's what she wants to yeah. do yeah and are you going to be open with her about like your process of how she came about and everything? Yeah, I, I already am. So, okay. I mean, she's only three, so she understands some bits, but you'll be right. amazed how young they ask. I think um, I was reading some research by Susan Gollenbach and she was saying that um, 
um, children of solo mums ask a lot earlier because they can see their family situation is different. So, you know, Daisy can see that when other people, you know, her friends, um, we hang out with them, there's usually a mummy and a daddy, not always, but um, quite often. And then, so she already knows that she hasn't got a daddy um, and, and she's quite factual about that. Sometimes she just comes out with it randomly. She's like, I haven't got a daddy. I've got a mummy, a granny and a granddad. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that is correct. Uh -huh. So I try to focus on who she has got. So we really yeah. focus a lot on family, who's in her family, who's in our extended family. Um, and family is like the people we love. It's not just relatives. And um, yeah, try to sort of make it that it's not that something's missing, but that this is our situation. And also to be honest, just focus a lot on diversity and pointing out different family setups. Some people have pets, some people don't, some people have, you know, um, all, all different sorts of things and talking about different family setups with her. So yeah, I'll be totally honest um, from now onwards. Really. Yeah. So you kind of touch on a point that I wanna bring up about there's Quite a few women you were living in budapest obviously and then moved back to the uk but who say i don't know if i can do it because i'm living in chicago and my family is in indiana or whatever do you say that as long as you have a tight-knit community of friends wherever you are or do you suggest really kind of packing up house and moving closer to where your family is and i know your situation of course but what do you suggest for somebody kind of just starting to think about, do I have to have, do I need to be neighbors with my parents so that I can be doing this? Or is it possible to be, you know, miles away or even a continent away for that matter, in some cases to do so, it? Yeah. What I would say is it's absolutely possible to do it without that support. Um, so I had moved to Manchester. I didn't, I'm not, I'm not from there. I didn't know anybody. I set up a support network from scratch. Um, um, my parents are an hour away. So I did get support from them, a lot of support, but it was more difficult for them because, you know, they're in their seventies and uh, driving an hour, particularly in winter when it was dark and cold and um, it was a lot. So, um, so many people do it without their um, parents or without their family. It almost depends on your circumstances and how your friendship group set up. And, you know, for me, I've got friends who are like family who would help in the same way. But other people, if you've maybe not got that same level of friendship, I think because I've lived abroad for a long time, I've got quite a lot of friends who I treat in this, you know, we're like family. Mm -hmm. Um Ultimately, I have just literally last week moved five minutes around the corner from my mum mm -hmm. um, because at the end of the day, um, my quality of life is just so much better. My daughter gets to see her granny more. I get more help. Everyone's happier. My parents don't have to travel as much. Mm -hmm. So personally, for me, it's been massively advantageous. And I think one of the things that I always say to people is if it is an option, just consider don't rule it out because some people are like no way I'm never moving like where I live I would never in a million years have considered living here previously but the benefits of living next to my parents are like massive so mm -hmm. I just say to people don't rule it out you know if it's an option maybe that would be a good one for you um but you, it's not necessary there's other ways that you can get that support if you haven't got that option Okay. And what about financially? Because again, I, I hear this a lot about 
how am I going to afford it by myself? And how do you kind of gauge that budget of what to expect when you don't know what to expect, right? When you haven't actually gone down the road? I mean, do you feel like what sort of stability or savings does somebody need to have? Or is that not even, should that not even come into the, the picture, you know? I, I honestly think this is the hardest, this is the hardest part of it. I am in a very lucky position where, you know, I have got a good job that I've had for years and managed to have a lot of savings behind me. Um, and so for, for me personally, um, I don't have to worry too much, although obviously doing it on your own is, is a lot, particularly nursery costs in the UK. Yeah. Um, so so expensive so I think unfortunately sadly it does have to be a consideration because mm -hmm. um, and, and it is a barrier for a lot of people and, and it's really tough um, although I know a lot of people in couples who are also you know it's also a yeah. real problem for right. um, so I think that that my only advice is save as much as you can as soon as you are even considering this to be a possibility mm -hmm. um because you know for the treatment at least and then there are ways to be more inventive so if you really really want something I feel like there's ways to make it happen. I've heard of people, two people moving in together, um, so you know, two solo mums together to share a nanny cost or to, to share rent, moving in with your parents, um, renting out a room, downsizing the house, what, what, whatever it might be. It's like, if you really want it, is there a more inventive way that you can make it affordable? Um, but it's, it's hard, it is a barrier, um, which is a shame. Yeah, well, thank you for even putting those small suggestions out there. I think that kind of gets people's brain moving to a different way that you never really would have thought of. And I'm a huge proponent of community and just sharing your experiences in order to feel like you're not so alone. So can you tell us a little bit about Stork and I and how that came about and what that is? Yeah, so basically I shared my story um, soon after my daughter was born, um, just like writing a blog post about it um, and was so overwhelmed by the number of people who got in touch with me to say, oh my goodness, this is exactly this position I'm in. I've never even heard of this. This is amazing. Um, and so I thought, hmm, seems like there's lots of people out there who would like this um, support and to know more about this. Um, I was a life coach anyway. I was coaching predominantly the same audience, um, but just on general life coaching. And so decided to just specialize on, um, on solo motherhood. And so now I've coached hundreds of women who are considering, is this the right route for me? And I have to say, it's not the right route for everyone. Mm -hmm. So I'm not a saleswoman. I'm not like, yeah, everyone should do this. We don't need men anyway. Let's all be <laughs> solo mums. That's absolutely not my message. Yeah. It's just saying, these are the options. This is the, you know, giving the information and empowering women to make a decision on whether this is the right path to that for them. Some people um, afterwards have decided this isn't the right path. And that's a great process for them to have gone through to be really clear they've made the right decision and they've considered it properly. Um, 
many do go on um, to, um, to to start trying to conceive um, as a solo mum, and they I feel like at least they're more informed on the reality of what it's going to be and um, how to really make the most of it and to embrace it and to make it their number one path to parenthood, not like a second best one. Right. Um, so yeah, group coaching um, mainly with some one-to-one coaching for a group of women who are considering whether this is um, the right path to, for them, for women all around the world. Um, I've had people from, you know, every different country really um, on the group coaching courses. That's so amazing. Yeah, so great. I, I think that just aligning with other people when you're in a, de- a decision that's so, you know, life-changing mm-hmm. for you, um, it's one thing if you have your spouse or your partner to talk about like, okay, should we go down this road? But to have a group of women that meets together, Kelsey, kind of like the group that we had right? Um, for my coaching, yeah. but it's really just, I think, so validating in so many ways for them to, to connect in a way that is not relatable to, you know, someone like Kelsey maybe, right? Because you, as much as you feel like you're going, you're both doing IVF. It's, it is different, right? Because you don't have somebody necessarily, you know, giving you the shots every night or, or whatever. And everybody comes to the table in a different way. Maybe they're a little bit sad about a breakup that just happened that they thought was going to be, you know, the father of their child. And now they have to pivot to doing this on their own or whatever it may be. I just think it's really beautiful to have a space where they feel comfortable and open with, like you said, women all over the world who are contemplating the same thing and somebody like you, who is on the other side successfully mm-hmm. to say, this is, this can be done. So and I'm such a it, huge yeah. fan of what you're doing, Mel. And I've told you that before, but thank you so much for doing what you do. Interesting because I don't really, I know you and one other girl and we're actually having her on the podcast tomorrow, but it will be on the week followings episode um on the podcast but she um got cervical cancer and had to freeze her eggs and didn't meet anyone and so she actually moved from Los Angeles to Israel to be with her brother to have support and also because IVF was so much cheaper out there I think she got like seven free rounds or something so um and now she's a single mom I think her baby's just a few months old so it's just so amazing I just like god it's just I mean kudos to you guys. I feel like it's so amazing and so much strength. And I just admire you guys so much. And I think it changes a narrative for the next generation of growing up. I mean, I know I personally didn't have that kind of feeling, but I know lots of my friends that did that, mm-hmm. you know, were like, oh my gosh, I'm this age and I need to find somebody in order to have kids now. And that shouldn't be the motivation of finding who you're going to spend your life with. Right. And it really should just be a natural course. And if we can have, have that be an option from day one to say, you can do it any way you want. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to be a parent, these are all the ways that you can do it. And it doesn't have to look like this as we always thought that it did, you know? And I think it just takes off a lot of pressure that you can have, go on with your career, or do whatever fills you up in your life and not feel like that has that's the only way to do it. So mm-hmm. I think it's just in a win-win in all ways that is opening up a lot of doors for people that maybe not, didn't realize was an option. 
And you know what I think as well? I think more people might meet someone if the pressure's taken off. Totally. I feel like one of the reasons that I didn't meet someone is because I was so under this time pressure, you know? Yeah, like desperate. Yeah, like. Exactly. Whereas if I was like, ah, do you know what? If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Then probably it would be more likely to have happened because I wouldn't have this time desperation. Yes. So how can people find you, Mel? So they can find me on Instagram at um, the stalk and I with um, underscores between the words um, or my website is um, the stalk and um, where all the information about the support I offer is on there. Brilliant. Thank you so much for taking your time. Like I said, I know it's late for you there, yeah, but thank we really you. appreciate you educating us and sharing your story and spreading the word about solo motherhood. So Hope you have a great night and we'll chat soon. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Pretty Little Tribe. And if you related to this episode, take a screenshot and hashtag Pretty Little Tribe because we want to see those in our DMs so then we can share them in our story too and give you some love back. Of course, if you have a topic idea or want to be on the podcast, email us at prettylittletribe at gmail.com. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks again for joining your tribe today, and we will see you next time.